God. It says that it's given us, it says, all things unto life and ungodly, or unto godliness. If we try to reach anywhere in this world for any type of answer outside of what God has said, I want you to know you're opening up the doors to deception. You're opening up the doors going down a wrong road. And I want you to know God says don't turn to the left or to the right, but hold on and keep straight down to the Word of God. Preachers preaching damnable heresies, covetousness, and making merchandise of you. Peter is addressing it. Peter says that he is painting a clear p- a picture in chapter number 1, and, uh, or Second Peter chapter 1, he's painting a clear picture of God's wrath. He's painting a picture of examples that God, he didn't spare the angels that sinned against him, but he has them in the bondage waiting for everlasting judgment. But he did not indeed spare the old world that they continually done wickedness and in imaginations continually in their heart that God indeed judged all besides Noah the eighth. And it goes on to say that God even brings to our attention as an example the burning of Sodom and Gomorrah because they chose to live ungodly after the filth of the flesh. So Peter right here, he is addressing in verse number 18 these false apostles, these that are bringing in damnable heresies. He says, for when they speak grace-willing words of vanity and are lured through the lust of the flesh with much wantingness. I want you to know that these false prophets, these false preachers, and those that are taking hold of them that are simple-minded, those that's just like if you go fishing out there and you take that old lure and you stick it on the end of your fishing pole, you begin to cast it into the river and you reel it in and that sparkle and that shine that's on the end of that lure right there, it attracts some folks. I want you to know he is using this bait through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of eye. He's trying to mold them through the lust that fits their needs. Great swelling words of flattery. Promises that they cannot keep. Peter says they are wells without water. We're living in a day and age that false preachers and false prophets are a dime a dozen. I want you to know they're probably in every other church in America. How can I say that? I want you to know that most people that go to church are not saved. Most churches are not preaching the right, correct doctrine of Jesus Christ. That's how we can say that why it's as straight as the gate and narrow is the way. And it says few there be that find it. I want you to know I want to be a part of the
to leave you much wanting this. You're always wanting more. I think it was Solomon said that said all the all the streams and all the rivers and all everything that flows down into the oceans and the oceans never full. Always want more. Mankind, we're always wanting something more than what God has given us. We're always reaching out for something. We always want to put our hand on something more. They spoon feed us. They twist up this doctrine. They contaminate it. They feed you with the lust. They feed you with the desire. And they feed you so much it makes you self-righteous. They promise you the world out there. But they can never deliver it. They promise you power. They promise you position. They promise you respect. They promise you acknowledgement from other folks. They promise you the world's extinct. They promise you things that you don't deserve. They convince you that you do deserve this because you are a child of God. They promise you that you can live your best life now. They promise that you're going to be noticed. They promise that you're going to have the approval of men. And they promise that you will be accepted in the house of God. Their messages are that they manipulate the circumstances. They manipulate not only the circumstances, the circumstances in your life. They want you to know that they manipulate the lifestyles, perhaps how you can live, or why you can live this way, or why you can't live that way. They manipulate from selfish gain. Manipulate that gain is godliness. Me and my wife the other day, I was playing, I was playing a certain person that was preaching the gospel. And they say, I don't buy a house according to my finances. They said, I don't buy a house according to my bank account. He said, when I go and buy a house, I just go and I buy it because I know my riches are in heaven. I want you to know I cannot buy a house according to somewhat that I feel that God has said me. God don't have to tell me what I can and can't do. I can't just go on the feeling that I can invest myself to put myself in a place of poverty. I want you to know that's false doctrine out there. Devilish words of wisdom, the shine and the glitter. It sounds so sweet. It sounds so good to the ear. It's enticing. It entices folks. It feeds our flesh. It exalts our flesh. It fills us up. Whatever you desire, it's all lies. And it's all deceits. Whatever you want, they say. That's not my gospel. God will give you the desires of your heart, they say. They will twist it and they will mold it and they'll put yourself in a place that God never intended you to be, that you are God over all the things that you confess in your life, the things that you just blab out, blab it and grab it. I want you to know that is not the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Our heart is deceived. Our heart it does not fall in line with the Word of God. I think the Bible says our heart is desperately wicked. Above all things, who can know it? Desperately, desperately wicked. Perverting the gospel of God. Covetous doctrines. Filthy perverts making merchandise of the simple-minded. Making merchandise of your brothers and your sisters out there. I was watching TV the other day and there was an evangelist. He said he was over there in Africa somewhere, and they was preaching that old, that old money doctrine over there. Had them deceived so much, they gave, and they gave, and they gave, 
to give. And they just kept taking and kept taking and kept taking. Said God's going to pour you out a blessing. And he seen this with his own eyes. And it hurt him in his heart because he knew that they was taken advantage of. They was poor people and they had nothing. And they still took everything that they had. They'll take. They say we believe so therefore we do speak. And they use it outside of the realm of this gospel. You can't speak God's will into existence in your life. You can't speak God like he's a puppet. You can't use him like a puppet. You can't demand God like he's a puppet. I want you to know you cannot demand the hand of God to move on your behalf. You don't have it like that. God, you've got to come to him for preference. You've got to come to him with respect. You can't come to him demanding anything out of him. They need to quit stop trying to preach to us how to get us rich. I wish they would stop trying to preach to us how we can make money. Stop trying to preach to us the health and the wealth and the prosperity gospel. I want you to know that we're sinners. And we need a Savior out there. We need a Savior in here. And the only thing they want to do is pervert the gospel and make selfish gain out of you. Preaching on hows and doors and yeah. how to get a new husband or how to get a new wife. They preach all this garbage under the sun to you. Whatever feels like you need to hear. Where your treasures are is where your heart will be also. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not the having a little money ain't the root of all evil, but the love, the love. How you cherish that money. Where that treasure is, your heart will be also. The love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible teaches you, love not the world, nor the things in the world. And if you do, if your hands are upon them, the love of the Father is not in you. It's easy. Jesus said it's easier to fit a camel to the high of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 18, the latter half says, Those that were clean escape from those that live in error. Them that are clean, that is the same in this scripture right here. That is the Christian, the spirit-filled. Them that are washed, them that heard truth, that been separated by truth, that set, that set free by the truth, changed. They know God, they felt God, had God dealing with them, had God saved their souls. They walk with God. Verse 19 says, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For in whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought into bondage. No matter the doctrine, no matter if it be grace, and no matter if it be law, no matter if it be blessings or cursings, no matter if it be baptisms, or works, no matter if it be no sin or license to sin. If the foundation is not anchored in the cross of Christ, you will be led astray. Because we can stand up here and we can preach we're under grace and we're not under law. And we can take it too far. We can stand up here and preach that we're not under law, we're, or we're under grace, and we're not under grace, but we're under law. And we can take it a whole different area. We can preach to you about the water baptism. 
trapped once again. You can find yourself in bondage once again. If you lose sight of that cross, you lose sight of what brings you victory. If you lose sight of the only thing that could ever bring you victory, you can find yourself led astray. When John Washington this morning, he continued laying the perfect foundation this morning on being saved by grace through faith, not of works and not of yourself. It is a gift. There's nothing that we can possibly do to earn the favor of God. There's nothing that we can possibly do to do enough work to let us escape out of hell. There's nothing we can possibly do to be able to be good enough, no matter how much we give, go to Sunday school learners, whatever the case may be, in order to enter in the kingdom of heaven. There's only one thing, one thing that satisfies God. And that is His beloved Son. Praise God. And if our faith is rested and anchored in Him, oh, we're going to make it. Praise God. Talking to Christian folks tonight. Praise God. Build that know the grace. Know the favor of God. Know what it feels like to have the hand of God in your life. But in this instance, out of the scripture tonight, they was clean. But all that preacher had to do, they set up underneath the anointed word of God. They heard truth. They heard enough for them to sell out and give their heart to Jesus. They heard enough for them that God has made a miraculous, life-changing event inside of them. And they was made into new creatures. This verse right here said they was clean. God had saved them. But they wasn't rooted. It wasn't grounded in the way that they should have been. So all the devil had to do. All these false doctrines had to do, these false apostates had to do, is come by preaching another gospel, preaching a different gospel, and all of a sudden they became weak and fell off into weak and beggarly things. I want you to know it can happen. It can happen when you take a newly conformed Christian. And you just throw them out there. And you give them no type of foundation. You give them no type of learning. You give them no type of support. You give them no type of wisdom. And you give them no type of time. I want you to know that old sneaky devil. He's going to come around. He's going to try to bring things up. And try to entice them. Tell them I didn't quite mean this right here. Or it didn't quite mean that right there. And maybe one way, way too far for the other. Way too far. And they'll find themselves that once was delivered, that once knew the Lord, in bondage once again. They'll go back into bondage. They'll go back into the slavery. And sometimes we have to. There's been times in my life that I never was proud about. I knew the Lord. I knew exactly what God wanted out of me in life. I knew he, how He wanted me to live, how He wanted me to talk and walk and the things He wanted to invest my time in. And I chose to put myself back in weak and beggarly situations. Going all, picking all that stuff up that God delivered me out of. All those addictions, all those habits, and all those problems. By choice, I found myself following after that which the Bible says that we, we as children of God, we as Christians, 
we as blood-bought children of a king, that we, we know better. And the Bible says in the Old Testament that we put a difference in that which is holy and that which is unholy. We have this word. We have this anointing that rests over our souls. We, he gives us understanding. He gives us empowerment. God has given us way too much for us to go backwards. I want you to know God had every reason to step out of our lives. Thank God he didn't step out of my life. We have no excuse these days that we should live ignorant before the Lord. We have no excuse these days to say that we're in a religion because we're not. We're in a relationship with God. We ain't under law, but we are under the grace of God. Outside of that, there is a law that is written on my heart, on this fleshly tablet of my heart, that God has written His commandments on my heart, governed by God. He mentioned this morning, Brother John did. Old Testament, under law, a man that he has to get caught in the act of adultery. And you'll find yourself in, in, in the New Testament, under grace, as Jesus said, it ain't that you just get caught in adultery. If you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery already. Old Testament says, thou shalt not kill. New Testament said, huh? Jesus said, you look upon a brother and you hate him. You are a murderer. And no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. There is a difference between law and between grace. And I hope I heard this preacher make a statement one time. He said, grace is so much tougher than law could ever be. You know, law, you had to get caught up in some things. You had to act out a certain way. But grace, all you got to do is thank it inside of your heart. And God will convict you and he will point out flaws in your life. That is grace. First Corinthians. 619 says, Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. For you are not your own, for you are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is God's. I want you to know that Holy Ghost, that spirit of holiness, that spirit of grace, it lives and abides in this temple of God. Sometimes when a preacher, when a preacher really loves you, they'll tell you the truth. They won't lie to you. They won't, they won't tiptoe around the toilets. They won't talk lightly about some of these scriptures that will poison your life. They pre preach righteousness and they preach holiness. And sometimes it will preach. You gotta appreciate. Men and women of God that's not afraid to preach truth unto you. That's not afraid to hurt your feelings. That are not afraid to offend you. That is not afraid to point some junk out in your life or in lives in general. So you can just be where you've got to appreciate people that don't mind hurting you. Because if somebody hurts me, it offends me, and it gives God an opportunity to deal with me in my heart and praise God, hurt me again. If it gives God more and one more opportunity to make me think on Him, then praise God offend me. I know my mother, 
you know, the doctor said she was going to die. And I talked to my mom, and I was get a couple words in, and she would just cry and cry. And God started convicting me after about a week of this. And I told my mother, and I knew it was going to hurt her. And I knew it was going to offend her because my mom was lost. And I did not ever get to hardly express the gospel with her the way that I wanted to because she was hard-hearted. She didn't want to listen to all that stuff that she was against it, but she just didn't want to hear it. And I told my mother, I said, Mom, we're all going to die. I said, Mom, the doctors said that you're going to die and that we are all going to die. Whether it be cancer, whether it be car wreck, whether whatever it is, and it is not the matter that you meet death. I said, it is the condition in which your heart is in when you meet it. And I told my mother, if you ever want to see me again, if you ever want to see my sister again, if you ever want to see us because where you're going, I'm not going there. I said, if you ever want to see us again, you'll get saved and you'll repent and give your heart to the Lord. And my mom, she cried. And she says, I understand. And I'm telling you, I knew. I knew I hurt my mother when I said that. And it wasn't about two weeks later. She called me up while I was on the way home. She said, Jason, I've been thinking. She said, I've been thinking about what she said to me. She said, can you save me? Or can you put me in contact with somebody who can? And I told my mother, I said, Mom, I can't save you. I said, but we're going to pray right now. We're going to talk to the Lord that can save you. And I got to leave my mother in the prayer of salvation that night. Just a couple weeks later, she came down to the church and Pastor Leon, he baptized her. I'm telling you, sometimes it pays off to offend the Lord. The Bible said, it's appointed of a man wants to die. Wants to die. We're all going to die. It's appointed on the man wants to die. Then after this comes the judgment. The judgment of God. We gotta stand before a holy God and we gotta give an account of all of our deeds and all of our works and all the words and everything that we have ever done in our life. Preachers, teachers, witnesses. I want you to know there is life and death when you talk to people. When a preacher stands up behind the pulpit, it ain't always so much just sinner and saint business. I want you to know most of the time it's heaven and hell, life and death. And people sometimes, we, we overlook it out there, but I said it earlier. Most people's going to hell. Not just, not just in here, I'm talking about most people in general that we come in contact with. They're not going to ever step foot in the kingdom. They're never going to go where I'm going. They're never going to go where you're going. Why? Because they choose to reject the only thing that's ever going to be good in their life. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. And there is just few that find it. Real people out there, real people in my family, real people in your family. We got real friends, we got real neighbors, we got real people we come in contact every single day, and they all got a whole bunch of real problems. They got a whole bunch of real issues. They got a whole bunch of real junk that's going on in their heart. 
but of love and of power and of a sound mind. If they don't have a sound mind out there, then we have to have enough common sense to speak words of truth, to penetrate and make them understand that God wants them to have a sound mind to want to choose Jesus. Not a place made up in the church house to scare people. It's not a place in here. There's not a place of hell that we make up to scare the world out there to try to convince them to be religious. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to make up places and try to make them act religious and try to make them walk between the lines and try to scare them to go into the kingdom. It's real. The kingdom of heaven's real. And the pits of hell is real. Sometimes we got to see that for ourselves in order to witness to the world out there. A sound mind. The Bible says that you can't serve two masters. You'll love one or you'll hate the other. You'll cling one or you despise the other. You can't serve both masters. We can't live inside the church house six days or inside the church or be out there in the world six days a week and come in here and act religious and act like we have a relationship of God. God demands more of us than that. We don't have religion just one day a week. We have religion. What we call religion is a relationship with God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. God wants to govern our hearts and He wants to govern our lives. James said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. First Peter 1.15 says, But as much as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, which is a lifestyle. All the manner of your conversation, all the way you walk out there, all the way you talk out there, all the way that you live out there, let Christ shine His light through your life. Let them see a witness. Let them see a pillar. Let them see an example. Let them see an image inside of you that reflects kind of like the Son of the living God. They need to see some type of life inside of you. God has always separated His people. God has always, from the Genesis to Revelation, God has always separated His people from the world out there. There has always been a separation, holiness. In fact, if you look up the definition of holiness, it's going to be to separate or to cut or push apart from one another. I want you to know God has always separated His people and set us apart. The Bible says, come out from among them and let ye be separate. A lifestyle of a believer is separate from the world out there. In conversation and deeds, here's a good one. In entertainment. Our entertainment is different from the world's entertainment out there. The things we invest our time in is different than what the world invests their time in. The places that we go is going to be different than what the world goes out there. How we talk is going to be different from how the world talks out there. The jokes that we tell is going to be a lot different than the jokes of the world out there. The demonstration of our moods and our actions is going to be so much different than the world out there. Why? Because they have no hope. They're lost and they're undone. And we have hope. And we have the Spirit of the living God. 
people. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy might, and with all thy power. It's always been a demand of God. God said he is a jealous God. He ain't going to have any other gods before him. God demands the time, the attention out of his people. Every word out of our mouth, God wants to govern. Everything, every deed that we do, God wants to govern our actions, govern how we talk, govern how we walk. Why? Because we don't belong to ourselves no more. We belong to God. When I died, Christ came alive inside of me, and I no longer own this old flesh. I no longer own this old mind of mine. It is Christ inside of me. As Paul would say, he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So shall we all be as a prisoner under God. Because when God paid that price for me, he bought me. He bought me. He paid a price that I could not pay. Praise God. I am saved. We want to believe that holiness, holiness, it was for our grandparents and it was for future or other past generations in life. That's not so. I've said it before. Holiness, God still requires holiness out of all of us. God still requires holiness out of the preachers. God still requires holiness out of the teachers. God still requires holiness out of the song leaders. Those God still requires holiness from the pulpit all the way out there in the pews. God still demands us to live the same type of lifestyle outside of the church house. Just like the same lifestyle we sit sitting out here in the congregation of God. Praise God. He still requires holiness out of everybody. God says, be ye holy, for I am a holy God. I know a lot of us around here, we don't see very much of holy living anymore. We walk out there, we look out in the world, we go to the Walmarts and the Kroger's and all the other grocery stores around, and I want you to know there's very little, very little scene of another man or another woman demonstrating a lifestyle of holiness out there. People, it seems like people want to believe that God and His demand for a lifestyle to live after His own heart, to live after His own standards, to let God rule and reign in their heart, they think it is something of the past that always falls back to one thing. Self. It always falls back to ourselves. That we want to take the authority away from God. And we would like to give the authority unto ourselves to do what ourselves feels like doing. To entertain ourselves. To go where ourselves wants to go. To be what ourselves wants to be. To act the way that ourselves wants to act. But I want you to know we are not under. We can't do what we want to do ourselves. Because Jesus said, You must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow after me daily. The scripture says daily. Daily I must lay down my life in front of the cross. Daily I must pick up his cross and I must follow after him. Self-sufficient only to our selfish desires. We are geared in the direction of ourselves. Lovers of self more than lovers of God. We 
itself is the highest authority. And I want you to know we cannot live to our own desires, but we got to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Paul says, I die daily. God has still reserved an anointing for this generation. I remember this house, this house right here, 10, 15 years ago. Me and Brother Leon, we talk about it. We talk about what we used to see 60 and 70 and 80 people setting up inside the church house. The pews be full. The altars be full. People be running around. You can feel the presence of God moving through the congregation. I want you to know right now, there's people out there. There's people out there that need to hear a message. There's people, the fields are right for the harvest. But the laborers are few. Ever since all this COVID jacked up stuff happened, people fell away. People started staying at home, started believing that lie that I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Started believing that lie that, God, I can just watch it on my TV. I can check it out on the YouTube. And they're perfectly content, deceived in their own houses, not being an arm or a leg or being a part of the body of Christ. How can you ever help anybody in the body of Christ sitting up on that couch? Can ever be successful to be used by God sitting on that couch? I know society, the society we live right now in an upside-down kingdom. Me and the brother want to go, we was talking about it, how they call good and evil and evil good. They go right, wrong, and wrong, right. I'm telling you, society is warped, it's all get out. They done lost their minds. I'm telling you, I don't know what happened in the last 10 years. I guess they know something that I don't. But I had my focus on God. Yeah. God. They don't want, just like in the book of Romans, we're living in a day, in an hour, where they don't want to retain the knowledge of God in their minds. They think that if they could just wipe God up out of the minds, it makes it easier for them to be a God unto themselves. They can rule over their heart. They can keep God off the throne of their heart. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. What happens when you tell God you want Him up off that throne and you want to stay in the place with your pride and your arrogancy and you say, I am going to rule and do whatever that I want to do. God will turn you over. If you do not want to retain the knowledge of God, if you don't want God to deal with you, you don't want God to mold your thoughts and move on your heart, and you tell Him, move out of the way and let me sit on the throne of my own heart, God will allow it. If that's what you want, God will move out of the way. Because what happens is, when God deals with your heart, and you acknowledge that there is a God. And you acknowledge that there is somebody that you have got to give an answer to. And when you acknowledge that, you got to acknowledge that you got to live in order to please Him. And then you got to do what is right in His own mind. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be you not unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with God? And 
what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath them that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be sons and daughters, saith the Lord. 7 verse 1 said, Having therefore the promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God has always called us up out of that world. We're separated. We're different. We're sons. We're daughters. We belong to Him. Our time is His. Our deeds are His. Our thinking is His. Our mind belongs to God. How God deals with us is different than how God deals with the lost world out there. Don't want to receive Him as we call That's all I have to if anybody needs prayer, let them come. If I'm going to turn it back over.